Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. You're listening to The Reality Is with your host, Anthony Roberts, and on this week's show, we discuss online dating or sports athletes overpaid, women breadwinners, the recipe for disaster in a relationship, and more on this week's podcast of The Reality Is, where filtering becomes extinct. Let me talk to you, girl. I'm in your part of town. All right, and we're back. This is The Reality Is, where filtering becomes extinct. Excuse the technical difficulties again today, the tribe of Judah again. Tribe of Judah, man. These guys, they just don't know how to get out of the damn studio, man. God damn. I'm come looking for you, too. Bro. Man, you I will what, have my... You know fi- in the spirit. You know in the spirit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, dang, these dudes just don't know when to back off, man. But uh, we're back, man. We got Christian. He's in California right now for the Coachella get down. So Live from Coachella. You know what I'm saying? So he out there holding it down. We appreciate that, bro. But he called in and we got Muhammad in here as a guest. So, you know, we got to have a good show. Man, I just wanna I just wanna hear, you know, for the people to be just Muhammad, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kinda how you got here, what brought you here. I mean obviously I know you. I met you a couple weeks ago. Um uh, our wives work together. But uh it's a pleasure to have you on the show, man. We're Thanks. so excited. Thanks for having me um, on guys. Um my name is Muhammad, and I'm about 29 years old, born and raised here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, Gary and I met at a holiday party about a month ago. Actually, what, what, what kicked it off is we were talking about uh, 90s ball, 90s, yep. uh, the way the NBA was back in, in the 1990s, uh-huh. in our opinion. It was, it was the best era of all time. True. And, uh, and then we got invited to the Reality Is kickoff party uh, last Saturday, and that's where I met Anthony and Chris. So, uh Awesome, awesome folks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, man, not thanks no problem, for being man. here, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we had a gr- yeah, we had a great conversation, man. Uh, at the party, you know, he was kind of talking to me, and he introduced himself as Mike. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we got to talking a little bit deeper, you know, he was like, "Well, my name is Muhammad, but you know, um, he changed his name to Mike after I think nine eleven or somewhere around that era." But just because for obvious reasons, unfortunately. But we kind of talked about race. You know, we do talk about race and ethics and stuff on this show all the time. So I thought it was just very important to have you know Muhammad's perspective um, here on the reality is, and we always try to have more than just a black man's perspective. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's just great that Muhammad, you know, found the time to come out. Man, I know he has a busy schedule. Um, um, you know, he had his lady friend with him last week as well. And, I mean, she was just a pleasure to, to meet um, as well at Christian's uh, 30th birthday party and uh, the attachment of the reality is. And, Christian, you turned 30, man. How you feel? Do you feel like you've aged any or gotten any wiser since, like, Wednesday, bro? Absolutely. I, I mean, man, I don't that know is about a damn wiser, lie. but I'm definitely breaking down physically. Your brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like every step I'm itching closer to the last one. Lord knows. Yeah. Hey, if you can make it at Coachella, you're going to be all right. Man. Right. It's yeah. going to be a lot yeah. better than so, we can. That, that is true. I'm about to get a wheelchair over here. <laughs> Just me around. Man. Yeah, we're going to need that. You probably do need that, man. So I can feel it. So the, the first topic we're going to jump in today is online dating. Have you done it? Which sites have you used? 
And why did you do it if you had to do it? Um, the Pew Research says, in terms of demographics, online dating is most common among Americans in their mid-20s through mid-40s. Some 22% of 25, ages 25 to 34-year-olds and 17% of 35 to 44-year-olds are online daters. Online dating is also relatively popular among the college-educated as well as among urban and suburban residents. And 38% of Americans who are single and actively looking for a partner have used online dating at one point or another. So... Uh, Christian hit me up with this one, man. This is a good topic. Online dating, I'll be honest, from my perspective, I think it's good for people who are like on the go all the time and really just don't have time to meet people, um, especially with this fast-paced society. Um, I've used it, but when I used it, it was after um, after day. I was in a relationship for five years, and after we broke up, I, honestly, I'm not going to lie, I was trolling for like nothing but ass. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. What did you say? I was trolling for nothing but ass, bro. Like, that's the only reason I used it because I met so many people who were like, bro, you want a quick hookup? You want a quick, uh, quick link up? You could do it. And it's it's like, honestly, people online to me, they're trying to, sh- they're, they're actually showing themselves to be something that they're not. Not and sometimes it's like financially, but sometimes it's just their personality. They're not always who they say they are. And it's easier to kind of mask that, you know, online. So my experience with it, like I literally was on there 10 days, maybe. And I only got on because a friend was like, hey, you know, you just got out of a relationship. You should try to go do this. And it was a female. I literally met a white chick. Uh, what is uh, Kim Kardashian? Armenian. Ar- yeah, she yeah. Armenian chick. Yeah. Uh, a black chick, I literally, and a Hispanic chick, I literally went on there and I was like, I'm going to get me a salad full of different women <laughs> and just have a great time. And it, I mean, it was, it's unfortunate now as an adult to talk about it, but like that, I, and I've told, I've told like some of my closest friends this, but like, this is probably going to be a lot, but like, I literally slept with like eight women in one week. I was like mentally wow. and physically Sight exhausted. You using? <laughs> it was match.com. Bro. Wow. Did you call it, did you call it skeet week? <laughs> it should have been called something bro but i mean literally that's what it was but you know what i never felt so disgusted in my damn life i literally if my yeah. homeboy is listening back home Derek, i literally was like dude i feel so disgusted it was like because i was emotionally broken so a lot of people use that as a quick fix mm-hmm. so like i said it just depends yeah. on how you use it mm-hmm. so i mean that's just my experience from it i guess technically yeah, man. oh go ahead christian I was just gonna say, it feels like on, online dating has had like a, it's like grown. Because if you remember back when kind of America Online just started, yeah, and then you had the Black Planets of the world, you started mm. like with just a, a quick IM chat or whatever, and then you moved to Black Planet, and then the advent of MySpace and Facebook. MySpace was more of a hookup type of website mm-hmm. uh, than Facebook. So you know, this was back like my first year in college. Mm-hmm. We were at Air Force Academy, so. We couldn't just be out meeting people, you know, and the the demographics of our school is 80% male. So it's not like you're going to be around a bunch of women all the time. So we would, I mean, yeah, we would online date and meet chicks online from all the different colleges around Colorado and then make weekend trips. So then that evolved. And then, you know, when I got got a girlfriend and then I kind of was off the online dating thing, we broke up uh, and then I really wasn't into online dating until uh i don't know when it was but i guess you know this tinder came out and i, I just downloaded yeah, that's it a game changer it was all about. <laughs> that's a game changer <laughs> it, it is a game changer but it's it's more of like it's a fun game because a lot of times you know when you use, you use it you're just like you're not really doing anything you're just hanging out you just 
you just start swiping, right? You just start swiping to the point your thumbs start getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you just see who you link up with. And I'll be honest, I probably hit up less than, you know, 5% of the matches. Yeah. But it's just more of a, a time waster than anything else. Uh, I haven't really been in the online dating scene hard, you know, as a as an adult. But, you know, as a younger dude, man, it was like, it was just easier for us to meet girls that way than, you know, being stuck up in the Air Force Academy all day. Mm-hmm. Nah, that makes sense. You was about to say something earlier, Gary. I was just going to say, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's getting to the point, it seems like online dating is kind of unavoidable now just yeah. because of all the this, this social media interactions and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I mean, it's so easy to access people. Like you were saying, Chris, in other parts of Colorado when you were at Air Force or you know, just other parts of the world, literally, and you know, people have these online relationships and I think Anthony you said something about how people, you know, it's easier to it's kinda like you have a mask on, so you have yeah. you know, I think there's a lot less inhibitions when you're online talking to somebody and um, you know, getting to know them and things like that. Of course, it's I would look at it as kind of a different kind of relationship because obviously you you have never met somebody. Yeah. But I think it can grow into a relationship. I know one of my uh, old coworkers from Kansas met her now husband on I think Match dot com. Yeah. So you've heard those your, this quote unquote success stories, and then you've heard the stories of you know like the catfishes of the world. Yeah. And so. I don't know, man. But everybody, I, I mean, at this point in time, I feel like in this day and time, everybody really does online dating. Even if it's on Facebook, just think of, just right. think about it. If I have a cute homegirl, I've had situations where I got a cute homegirl, and I have a homeboy that's like, man, who is that? Or they mm-hmm. like a comment, or they'll start mm-hmm. saying something to start up a conversation on my comment list. You know, so that's a form of online dating. You met her online. A lot of people hit people up just from For seeing sure. cute pictures. You know, yeah. so everybody, even maybe subconsciously, they're doing some form of online dating. And online, I mean, online dating is just like texting and things. It allows you to say things that you normally wouldn't say to somebody. Exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. Like I know I was talking to a girl one time. This is this wasn't even like online dating. This was just texting. And it's probably going to be a little vulgar. But, like, it's certain things about my penis in a girl's mouth that I'll say via text (laughs) that I wouldn't even say to her face. (laughs) Like, would you really be like, hey, man, I want to, like, hit the back of your throat in somebody's face? No. I guarantee you're not, man. But on a text message, the hell you're not. You, people, you know what I'm saying? Got, people have swag on text on messages. They get real honest. I'm telling you, man. It's like it just changes the game. So text message, I mean. Social media has its own it's its own monster, man. Social media, you know, like I said, that was match.com that I use. I've heard about Tinder. Uh Chris talked to me about it one time. I didn't even know what it was. And you know, I've heard people talk more about the Tinders and and whatever, but you don't even have to to get on them, you know, now. See, so, I mean, the way I perceive perceive online dating, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, I I've, I've been with my my wife for about 8 years, but you know, it seemed like a desperate way, mm. but this was back in the day. This was a perception of it. Of and course, it like when it first started, yeah. it was embarrassing. Right. Like, yeah, I'm on, you know, I'm trying online dating. You literally right. got made fun of. Right. right. Yep. Now, you know, it's more mainstream in the sense that you got farmersonly.com. <laughs> you, know, you got you got blackpeoplemeet.com, yeah. and do you, do you guys see the black people meet commercial where where they actually tried to. To fend off, yeah, they met online, yeah, and then whenever their friends on the other end of the table said, "Yeah, we actually met on blackpeoplemeet.com dot com," they're like, "Oh, well, well, so do we." Yeah. Right? See, that perception still exists. Yeah. yeah. But you know, looking at things like Tinder, you know, Cougar Life and stuff like this, yeah, it's become so it's, it's become okay right. in society. So yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's become a lot more mainstream. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the whole you know the Pew Research where it's talking about majority of of people that are trying online dating and they're younger younger people right. with, with active lives. 
I, I think yeah, that's part of it. But yeah. I think the, the the other side of the spectrum, it's it's what goes back to, to what you're saying, Anthony, is is that it's just pretty you know blunt. People look for some ass. Yeah, right. That's it. Right. I mean, that's what people talk about with Tinder, and then, and then you have like um you know uh what's that uh, website Ashley Madison, to where literally you could just hook up. Yeah. I heard Chris Brown rap about it in a song one time, and I was like, wow, this is real. And then, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I was looking at a porno one time, and, you know, it just pops the ads up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> Ashley Madison. They attached it, you know, they they hit you, you know, coupon, coupon. They right. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 part of the consumerism, man. Yeah. As the sex, is, it becomes a commodity that can be consumed, and it's the easier it is yeah. to consume true. Uh, through these websites. I mean, because at the end of the day, sometimes that's what people want. That's all you want sometimes yeah. well, without simple. the attachments. Yeah. So, someone... Th- there's a market for this because exactly. someone decided, exactly someone decided to buy it Supply. exactly okay. exactly so, but i think honestly I go ahead chris i was gonna just touch on what muhammad said and uh man like the, the majority of people in the military that i that i was that i was around man they met the people that they married online i would say to a person bro um they i mean i think probably 95 because on my first base I had about, I would say, 10 young men that I was, that we were pretty cool. We were between the ages of about 23 to about 30. And I think out of those 10, nine of them met their wives online. Really? So I guess it's effective, but, and like you said, like, it was, you know, to me, it was just like, come on, man, you can't go out and meet somebody or, you you know, but, but at the end of the day, these sites, they could break it down to like exactly what you're looking for in a person. You think and you're getting hooked up with somebody that, you know, that's your ideal yeah. I guess lady or lady or man and it just makes it a lot easier than going to a bar and trying to, you know, pick up you know, have these pickup lines and people are usually pretty standoffish, you know, in those environments as well. So I don't know. And, I, and that's I, the I, old... kind of like Muhammad said, it's kind of evolved into being I guess more acceptable now for me. Yeah, See, Not that I wouldn't necessarily want to meet my girl on there, but I under, I understand why people do it. Yeah, and, and that technique of going to the bar and you know trying to you know be on a whim just you know throw a couple of pickup lines out there—that's old school, and you're yeah. not going to see that. Right. That's that's going to be actually it's uh, going to be obsolete in a couple of years. Right? Because you know when you're online, you could sit back and stage you know like you're saying stage Everything. whatever the hell you want. You know you could fabricate a story talking about you're a rocket scientist, yeah. but in reality mm-hmm. you're just bagging exactly. groceries at Kroger. You know? Yeah, right. But the ba- the crazy thing about it too, man, is like you still have people. I'm going to say it like this, especially for women. This is what a lot of women need to realize. If you are on an online website, you might want to lower those standards just a little bit. (laughs) And the only reason I say that is because you still have women. I've heard stories and I've read articles where you still have that woman that's like, I want a guy who makes $100,000 and looks like this. You're online. <laughs> Do you? And then you'll look at their what they make, and they make like thirty five thousand. But you want somebody that makes a hundred thousand. You want somebody with a PhD, but you just have an associate's degree. Come on, man! Mm-hmm. Like it, it allows people to still be like they get on there with the same uh, whatever that got whatever that has them single and by themselves. They you can't bring that over to to you know to a website because. If you get on um, the website, you're trying to get on there to be more open, to look for change. But if you don't change your perception True. and the way you think, and honestly, what got you into this situation in the first place, <laughs> right? then, I mean, it's it's not going to be any better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I definitely agree. So, I mean, you know, but hey, that's, that's just our perspective on it. We could probably go on and on all day about that. But we're going to take a quick break again. You're listening to The Reality Is, where filtering becomes extinct. Hey. 
nigga, guess what I just picked up? Hey, my fucking Jesus peace. Hey, 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 nigga, nigga, look at your boy. Look at your boy. Hey, nigga, look, look, real quick, real quick. Look at Jesus' eyes, though. Nigga, they got diamonds in it. Nigga, Jesus face on these bitches, nigga. Hey, don't ever question my religion. I just put 50 stacks on Jesus' face out here, nigga. You see it? Hey, 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 real quick, real quick. Look at his head. We are back. You're listening to the reality is we're fortunate to come extinct. We just had to have a little quick powwow, you know, talk, talk a little bit. What we're gonna introduce the next topic, which is if you had a gay sibling, child. How would you handle it? A gay sibling or a gay child? How would you handle that? In light of the recent laws in Indiana and Arkansas, how is it a uh, conservative base of the country adjusting to the changes in popular opinion? Man, that's um, I've had this discussion actually a couple times. And, I, you know, I told people, I, you know what? I actually talked to a friend. He's a doctor um, at the job I work at. And we were talking about homosexuality and we were talking about if you had a gay kid. And I told him, I said, what if you had a son? I asked him, what if you had a son who was gay? And he was like, "Well, I would just, I would just keep whooping him." And I'm like, "Well, bro, you, I mean, I said you can't, you can't beat that out of him." I said, "So, let me, okay." And he threw the Bible. He's like, "Train up a child the way he should go." Okay, I get that too. So let's just say you train up your child the way he should go for 18 years, and he doesn't say he's gay, and then he leaves and he goes off to college, and then he comes back in a year after his freshman year, and he's gay. Then what? Did you not do your job as a father by clothing him, teaching him how to be a man? No, it doesn't mean you didn't do his job. He either chose that lifestyle or it was something inside of him that made him that way. Like I think Christian said when we had the conversation a couple months back, kids are killing themselves, man, hanging themselves and being ridiculed at school. You think they would choose that lifestyle? It would be easier just to say, I like women. Or, you know, if you're a lesbian, I like, you know, boys or men, as opposed to taking the criticism that people have to deal with, Mm -hmm. with being gay or being lesbian. And I told him, you know, he asked me, what if you had a child? Well, first of all, I think I would see tendencies, maybe, you know, but I think I would really try to create a ground to where my daughter or my son could come talk to me. And if they are gay, let me explain to them what I think about it. Maybe some scientific things, you know, give them some logical, you know, discussions and, and try to see where it came from or how they feel to where I can d- un- try to understand. Did they choose this lifestyle through what they see on TV or school or is it just something they felt all along? And if it's something they felt all along, even if I don't agree with it, I'm not going to you know, banish my child or beat, try to beat my child into submission because I'm not helping my child. Mm-hmm. If anything, I, I don't know anything about it. So I may even set up some counseling, you know, for they could talk to somebody who can better help them understand their needs, their wants, their desires, because I wouldn't be a professional in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a topic that, you know, like you said, we talked about it a couple months ago and, and I came at it from explicitly. Uh, theological perspective not the one that you would think not a kind of a traditional perspective but and i i and i articulated i have a strong i strongly dislike when people try to use the bible yeah to to condemn homosexuality because it it decontextualizes scripture it divorces the original meaning and the purpose of what was being said from the reality today. Yeah. I mean, we, we could go on and on about that, and I won't even get back into that. But I'll, I'll get into, you know, if I had a gay sibling or a child, um, I would love them the same. I mean, I would try my best to love them the same because yeah. I don't, that does not, that doesn't testify to anything wrong with their human nature, with wrong with their, I mean, the, the problem is with our society that we live in 
where somebody has to closet certain parts of themselves because they know that there will be social consequences that might even show up economically that yeah. might show up you know in other kinds of explicit ways and i think that's that to me that's heartbreaking because it's not just racism it's not just classism it's not just uh sexism and and it's not just you know oppression based on religion but it's also based on you know one's orientation of course, of course. um so I, I just just it's it's troubling that we live in a culture that that you would even have to worry about wow if i have a gay child how am i going to raise them because i know that despite how much i love them i also want to try to protect them from what potentially could happen yeah. you know if so yeah man and i agree with you both of you guys and and in my and, and in my experience and in my opinion you know this has been something that has uh, once again evolved for me because mm -hmm. we i mean i think we talked about it uh a little bit last week and on our own but it's like people are so afraid and they kind of hate what they don't understand or what they don't know. Like, you know, if you look at somebody that might have a racist, I guess, connotation, or we talked about it, uh, with, that's what we talked about it. Uh, with, with the guy that, you know, the, the racist signed at the basketball game, he was like the one black family in our family, they were good, but everybody else was inward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like that. Like with, with homosexuals, like, I never really had a, a homosexual, you know, friend or family member or close, you know, I was never in close, I guess, uh, approximation. I didn't have any relationship with one. So for me, I didn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. So if you asked me this question five years ago, you would have got a much different answer, you know. But now it's like if my son or if my daughter or a sibling comes to me and tells me they're gay, like what else can you do? Yeah. You can either cut off that relationship, you can keep trying to give them hell and make them think that they're, what they're doing is wrong, or you can love them and embrace them just the same as you would if they were straight. And for me, it's kind of close to home because I have a really good uh, friend whose brother came out a few years ago. And it's like, you know, what, what do you do? It's like, well, he was scared to come out for one in the black community. And I think uh, Muhammad could probably say, uh, uh, relate to it in that, in that community. Like it's just, it's, it's beyond unpopular. Like it's almost yeah. unacceptable, Yeah. you know? So, I mean, he was so afraid for so long and he went through depression and, you know, all kinds of different things because he didn't want to feel that way. And I, and, and now my, I'm just like, if, if my son or daughter is gay, like, I'm going to love them. Yeah. I, will it make me at least a little uncomfortable because I don't necessarily understand it? Of course it will. Yeah. I'm, I'll just be honest. But at the end of the day, what, who am I? Like, yeah. who am I to, to mm -hmm. take the love away from my child or my sibling or whoever? And it's, I don't know. But it, at the end of the day, what we don't understand is what we kind of, shy away from or, or what we don't accept so yeah right, so i mean have you what i mean how would you with and you know mom like you know your beliefs may be a little bit different than ours or you know i, I don't know your religious background yeah. but like what what is your thought process on that i mean in, in that i kind of with with what chris was saying if you were talking about this five ten years ago believe me man my perspective would be ten times different yeah and just to kind of touch on a little bit there's a um we're, we're at a, a 12 years ago back in high school we went to his uh it was a medical conference here in the Metroplex. And, you know, we went around the circle and uh, we were just talking about certain, you know, personal aspects of our life. And one guy, and one, one of the questions came up was, hey, you know, if you were gay, would you publicly come out of the closet and, and talk about it or would you hide it? Yeah. And the next question was, would you, uh, have you ever had any gay thoughts? That was the buildup question. Yeah. Well, this one guy got honest and said yeah I, I did have gay thoughts you know across my mind mm -hmm. 
the whole entire room filled around 40 people just started busting out laughing on the guy. And the thing is, it's like, mm. back then, that was a politically correct way of handling Hand it, right? Yeah, right. You know, today, it, things, have, they, you know, they, they transgress, they, they, they change. The, right. you're, you're, you know, the way, you, the way you think about things. And, and I, I think, I, I kind of all in the same boat with, with all of y'all's answers, is I would sit down, level with them, but then again, I don't understand it. Right? Yeah, I, so it doesn't. It, to me, it doesn't make sense. Makes but sense, yeah. it's their preference. preference. Yeah. So why should we go out and change the way we love them, or why should the way the society is nowadays, like the clean the politicians, where they try right. to interject and saying, "Oh no, gay marriage, gay rights shouldn't, uh, gay people shouldn't have gay rights." Yeah. And, you know, equal marriage. No, no, it's it's none of our business. You yeah, know, right. why, why are we hating something so much right. that someone can't help? Can't help. It's right. a preference. Right. So I mean, I don't know how I'd react. But I know for a fact it wouldn't change the way I would love that, that, that individual love at right. all. Yeah. At all. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's so fun. And, and I'm glad you guys know, talked about the kind of the evolution <clears throat> of thought that you had. Because it's, it's the same story for me. It's, it's encountering people of different experiences that force you to take a step back and say, but this person is a human being. Exactly. And exactly. because it's easier for me to think certain things about them when I'm not confronted with their presence... Um, but when you're looking somebody in the face, when you're talking to somebody, when you're interacting with somebody, and then when you become friends with somebody before you even know that they, they happen to, to you know, be attracted to the same sex. I had two friends, two close friends come out to me within months of each other, and this was a couple years ago. And, um, and I was kind of torn because on one hand, you know, I was a minister, and, and they assumed that because I was a minister that... I mean, it was it was uncomfortable for them. They had to, to make a calculated decision to come out to me, and as as a friend who I you know basically like brothers to them, that hurt. But I also understand that. I yeah. understand why there, there was that thought process. Um, but then on the other hand, man, it, it's I was so glad when you know when anybody comes out to me, it's it really says something about how far I've come because I'm I'm grateful that I'm like okay well you wouldn't come out to everybody no but you you coming out to me it, it makes me feel good about the fact that I've come along in terms of being more progressive and being more open to people's experiences and my life has actually been enriched um as a as a result of doing that I mean man I've learned I've had some of the best conversations um with with some of my gay or lesbian friends I've learned so much about human nature I've learned so much about sexuality uh, about gender norms and things like that yeah. and that's part of my research too and the more I learn in school the more we talk about human nature and how complex our nature is you can't just say oh somebody just chose this yeah. or or it's a disease or it's that, a disease a yeah exactly yeah. I mean that and and that's the that's part of the problem of even more liberal uh, kinds of ways of thinking about it which is like okay it's not a sin but it's a sickness. Yeah. Well, that's problematic, too, because you're basically disabling this person. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, I mean, I think the more we learn about how complex we are as human beings, man, and the ways that we fit into social systems and stuff like that, I mean, it, it would help us to take a step back, I think. I think you just got to be kind of, you got to be cautious with how you view people and, and how you judge them. And I'll go back to, to be open and have this little quick discussion with Muhammad. What were the three questions you say they asked at the thing? I'm one gonna of them, an, I'm gonna uh, answer the first um, one. The first one was, "Have you ever had any gay thoughts cross uh, your mind?" Okay. Okay. The second one is, "If you did, would you be comfortable coming out?" Yeah. And then the last one was, "If you were was was more medical, it, it was if you contracted HIV or AIDS, would you tell your partner?" Okay. So. Well, first of all, like I feel like if you ask a question, "Have you ever had gay thoughts?" That doesn't make you gay. Right. I think the action. And interacting and continuing to do it is what makes you gay. This is the thing about too with, with between men and women. 
if a les if a girl experiments with a girl, then it's they, game. they just try it's it. Fair game. They just tried it. Yeah. That's but if a that. guy yep. penetrates another guy or gets penetrated and he only did it that one time, he's gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's never you can't come back By from default. that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it seems like the judgment is very hard on guys. So me having this, have you ever had a gay thought? Yes, I've had a gay thought. I haven't had a gay thought of me being gay. But when I had the situation of my uncle, you know, coming out to me and telling me that he was gay, my pro- my thought process was like, how did he get to that point? And he told me, like I've said on the show before, he slept with so many women. He wanted to try something new and something different. Right. And he was out in uh, California on the acting scene and the modeling scene. And they do so much stuff. He was just introduced to it. So when I heard that, I was like. Well, first of all, I, nobody's penetrating my ass. That's first of all. I mean, it it, it, it it hurts to shit sometimes. So, I mean, yet alone letting somebody penetrate me. So that's not going to happen. So, And I'm not going to penetrate another dude. You know, that's just not going to happen either. I don't want another dude that's rough. Like Muhammad said, it just doesn't feel right to me. But it doesn't dictate how I feel about someone who feels okay about that. You right. know? I don't have a problem with it. Ten years ago, I probably would have drove by and left a gay dude that I knew walking on the street if he was walking home. Now, I'd pick him up and drop him off because I don't care about perceptions. I have gay friends now that I've met at the bar and I've had drinks with them. Is it uncomfortable? At first, it was because it's an introduction. It's introducing myself to a realm that I have no experience in. But at the same time, if I ask them to come to a, a bar with me and it's all straight people and girls and guys are interacting and flirting, it may be uncomfortable for them. Because a lot of times, like you said, people still don't respect their space right. enough to, you know, not characterize them or put them in a box. Right. So I think it's just about being open minded, man, and just accepting things that are different. That's the whole issue with America, with race and everything else. We don't accept things that are different. We don't give it a chance to get to know it, to understand it, to know why it works this way or how it even became. We just see it. We judge it and we move on. Right. I, right. I, and, I, you know, we came up you came up with this topic. Before, you know, the Indiana law got so much press and mm-hmm. then the Arkansas law kind of got stalled as a result. And I just, I just think I find it so interesting how much public opinion will, will, will sway, I guess, what, you know, a conservative or what the base of a certain movement is doing. Cause, you know, in their mind, in the Indiana, you know, they, they just elected a very conservative uh, state house of representatives, and, and you know, and it's like they were thinking, oh, we're gonna re- we're gonna reapply these Christian American values, and we're gonna make sure that somebody that has a business that might feel a certain kind of way about having to go be a photographer at a gay wedding, or you know, having to serve you know cupcakes at you know a gay birth, you know, something like that, and give them the religious freedom quote unquote to deny service because they feel that way yeah. and it's like they think they're doing a good thing right. because based on their Christian values they don't want to be forced but with public opinion it's like well that's fine you can feel that way but we'll never have another conference in that state and like you see how the business sector once the money started making reaction then uh, you know the governor uh, on Sunday said we're not going to change the law this is the right thing to do on Tuesday, after the head of the NCAA and Salesforce.com 
and all these other businesses are like, well, we're going to move out of the state. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, we need to change. We need to fix it. You know? <laughs> see, see, it's all politically correct. That. It yeah. is. Yep. It's, it's ridiculous. It, and it's politically regulated. Yeah. And like you said, when that when people start messing with them greenbacks and, and the, the money, oh, yes. that's oh, it'll change. It changes. I mean, it's the same thing that, you know, you hear stuff about the marijuana industry and yeah. legalization. Man, it's it's on the way. And it's on the way because people are starting to realize how much money can be made Man, off of it, it. How, how much taxes, how much you can regulate it. I mean, it's it's. And so it's just, like you said, uh, Muhammad, it's, it's, it's so politically correct, man. It's, it's that public face. It's maintaining that, that public uh, position. And as soon as you recognize that, okay, this is not popular and, and it's going to cost us, yeah. oh, we, we need to all we of a sudden to have a change, change of heart. That's the thing with America. You know, it's, if you look at history, it, it literally just reads itself. The civil rights movement, you know, you, you still up until the 80s, going to the 90s, you still had some bigoted senators yeah, right. in our government, right? And the way you look at it is these people, they have to filter away. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as, as sad as it sounds, it's true. Yeah. Eventually, in 20 years, we're going to look back and, and our kids are like, why did y'all look at gays so so, right. so right. Why, why were they so right. oppressed, right? right? You look at today, the, the Islamophobia is taking place in America. We'll look back in 20 years like, what happened to you guys, yeah. you know? It's like America, we always go through a phase where we're morally bankrupt. Yeah, right. You know, we always have to... It was love remember it. the Japs. We put them all up in concentration camps. Yeah, y'all remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, no one talks about yeah. stuff like right. this. It's always a, a period in American history that we look back and say, "Damn, we got that wrong." Yeah, mm-hmm. but here we are now committing the same exact atrocities exactly. today. Exactly. You know, who the hell are we to give them rights or take away their no, rights? Take away right? their rights. They're human beings. They're American citizens. Yep. You know, it's yeah. and, right. and it's a problem when human rights take the back seat to public opinion exactly. or exactly. to political uh, gain or political campaigns. I mean, it's. It's a human rights issue. And yeah. I think this country is, well, I won't even say in, as opposed to others or whatever, but yeah. this country is an example of one that does not take seriously human rights. At no, all. they don't. We could, now, we, we put up a hell of a front. You yeah. Oh, absolutely we, we do. We, we'll form all kinds of organizations, and we'll start giving grants to certain organizations to perceive that we actually give a damn. But yeah. in reality, when it comes down to it, the hell we don't. The right. status quo is key. Absolutely. You know, that, that's the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's just like I think. I think as a country, I think it's always the silent. Uh, it's always the silent majority, right? Because I think the majority of people, I think we, we do care about the man next door, the woman next door, right? And I literally have gay neighbors on both sides, so like I literally I care about them, and I see how they sandwich. live, and they're just trying to live a life. They're not, you know, they don't they don't look at themselves as yeah. like marginalized as gay. They're just. Two people in love trying to live their life. Yeah. And I think the majority of people in this country are accepting and, you know, will carry out meaningful relations with those people. It's that minority that is so loud that gets to hijack the conversation all the time. Like, even with, you know, civil rights and all, like, the majority of Americans agree, okay, we, we, need, to, we need to fix this. Yeah. But it's that, it's that minority that they just hold on to these, you know, arcane thought processes and they end up being able to to have, to have the com- to I guess to be in control of the conversation as opposed to you know the silent majority that's like hey we don't even care if this guy's gay like who cares if he gets you know the inheritance from his gay partner or if he gets you know the rights to go visit them in the, in the hospital like who cares why, why are we as a country but like I said it's that it's that minority that gets a, yeah. to have a Kind of, so. kind of put things in perspective is uh, about a month ago I was at work and, and uh, I go by Mike at work for obvious reasons and I was at this guy just walks up uh, he was 
I, well, I'm in construction, so he's, he's working on the fire alarm system. And um, he was talking about how he used to live in Texas, and now he lives in Mississippi. And I said, oh, you know, why don't you come back? He goes, well, actually, my, I was talking to my brother today. He lives in Fort Worth, and he's telling me, hey, man, you should move back. And I said, oh, hell no, hell no. I said, why? He goes, I was telling him that y'all got a bunch of Muslims that are trying to take over your government. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah. And this guy has no idea I'm Muslim. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, I served six years in Afghanistan, and I saw them, man. They hate everyone that's an infidel. If they had the chance, they'd shoot you. You know, shoot you, and you start pointing at everyone that was around us. And a couple of my guys that are with me knew I'm Muslim, but they, didn't, they, didn't, they never mentioned it. First off, this guy seemed like a gun ho guy. Yeah. Like he has his you know, gun in his holster on his yeah. hip, and, and he's ready. Yeah. So I, I sat back, and, and I kind of told him, I said, you know, man, that's, first off, we, you, we can't hate or generalize a whole entire you know, race just because you went there for six years and yeah. on a, in a war-ravaged country, first off. Right. War-ravaged. Right. That has to be highlighted. Right. I said, can you agree that if we were to fix the education system there, within 20 years we would have a different outcome? No. I said, well, how about this? Let's go back to a couple hundred years ago when the American education system was being put in place and it was being solidified. You had so many people migrated here from all over the world to come here to America to better their education. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they knew how solid and ironclad it was. I said, so so the numbers are there. To solve hate, to solve any kind of hate, whether it's against gay rights, whether it's against racism, fix educational, educate people. It's that simple, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And not the education... That that goes under the guise of quote unquote American education when it's when it's just simply white conservative. I was about to say just white America, American yeah. education. Yeah. You know that if you're going to tell the history of this country, tell it. Tell the history of this country. Talk about the concentration camps. Yeah. Talk about slavery in all of its brutality. Talk yeah. about the history of sexism, of classism, of all of these things. But too often we're so. I mean, I posted something on Facebook recently about Texas textbooks. Yeah. Um, which it's funny because the tech, the you know Texas has the most buying power when it comes to textbooks. So there are other states that because they don't have that kind of buying power, they'll just use the Texas version of, of textbooks, textbooks of history yeah. books. And uh, they're talking about trying to re- rename again the the transatlantic slave trade to talk, call it the the Atlantic Triangular Trade. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, it, there's all these kinds of, and that's the thing that people you know I've debated with our former principal. I debate with people about this. It's not just going to go away if you stop talking about not it. Not at all. Because what's going to happen is it's just going to go unchecked yeah. if you stop talking about it. There's, there's a, there are conscious attempts at painting Muslims as terrorists, which is a problem. Yeah. There's conscious attempts at painting young black men as criminals, which is a problem. Yeah. And if people don't push back on that, then, then sadly our kids are going to come up through educational systems. And that's the only education, that's the only kind of history they're going to hear. Yeah. Um, they're not going to hear history in I would say in reality and, and it has to be that way I know in my class I'm um, taking a current issues class and we were a lot of the papers they were wanting us to write was about like technology and stuff and like I, I was just like why are we writing papers on technology in current issues we use it every day so it's right there to learn about it you have to use a computer you're going to figure it out what we need to be talking about in the class the curriculum has changed since I've been in there we need to talk more about racism and like you said educating the differences of people and why and my professor, he's Colombian, and a lot of people think he's Hispanic. And he talked to me after class one day, and he was like, hey, it's these white guys in class when we're talking about racism and black and white. They never say anything. And he was like, why do you think they don't say anything? I was like, well, they either agree with what we're saying, uh, you know, agree with the way the country is or the way the history of racism and stuff is, or they're too scared to say anything because they just don't know. One thing about white people, 
they they're more comfortable of course talking within the confines of their own type of people they're never going to speak out loud unless you like you said unless money becomes an issue and they start trying to regulate things but um he called on one of the white guys the other day and he in class and he was like why don't you ever say anything when we're talking about race and how white people or white society are doing uh things wrong or always having a negative impact or systematic oppression being used against different races except yourselves and he was like i don't agree with it he was like but honestly i didn't even know any of this stuff he's like so i'm really just sitting back listening to anthony and a lot of other people who are talking because i didn't really know it because and like i interrupted and i said he doesn't know it because it doesn't directly affect him at all it i only pay attention to the walter scott thing situations and mike browns because i'm a black man i know black men i know women with black kids and it's like you start kind of i don't fear for my life but i'll be like if i get pulled over it could it be me I mean, we all saw the tape where the guy just got out of the car and ran, but the dude said that he had an actual altercation and he didn't. So it doesn't think the reason white people don't, it's not always because they don't care. It just doesn't directly affect them. So they don't worry about it, which is a part of white privilege, like we've talked about and touched on. And it's like, like I told the guy in class, but would you care if black officers were started shooting down white boys and hanging them and raping your women and degrading your name and you couldn't do anything about it? We can't be, yeah, we can't be racist because we can't systematically oppress you. We can have racist opinions and and prejudice, but we, you know, when you talk about racism, it's being able to systematically oppress whether it's blacks, whether it's labeling Muslims, all Muslims bum stuff, or blacks or whatever, and Hispanics are. I mean, you you just can't do that. And we, like Muhammad said, we have to educate people. Yeah, that's the number one thing. Education which will inform and and make people aware of racism and things that have happened to all cultures, honestly, except for white people. Not saying that white people don't have a rough life. Sometimes some of them do. You know, some of them can relate to some of the things. But generally speaking, for, you know, the masses or most white people or white society, they really don't go through things that minorities and uh, people of color go through. I I would agree with that, with the exception of of poor white people. Correct. That's what I'm saying. I would say poor, you know, poor white people get labeled as quote unquote white trash. Correct. And, you know, so so like Chris was talking about the the major the minority, the minority in population and from perspective, but the majority in terms of power, control, dominance and that kind of thing. And I think there, you know, there are so many groups that get marginalized. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that education is the key, man. My own story of becoming more open and accepting of people and things like that came through education. You know, so what were you about to say, Chris? I was just going to say, I think. It's true, I think, as a, as a people, black people obviously have faced more discrimination. But I will say, I think racism stems from classism. And if you think about it, like, you know, within our own race of blacks, like you have an elite social class, and then you have, you know, your middle class, and then you have, you know, what I guess what we would say is your poor, you know, the poor. And in, within the black community, we see discrimination amongst each other based on whichever class you fit in. And I think within the white community, you see similarly that, you know, if you're on the lowest class of whatever the white uh, social spectrum, then I think they do face uh, a little bit of discrimination within their own people. Yeah. And I think that's how um, that that level of discrimination between, you know, the, the, the social class of whites and maybe the lower class of whites is how racism is also, I guess, uh, rooted in, in, in its, I guess, uh, it it's expounded on because they're like, well, look, we're going to treat you like shit, but we're going to treat yeah. these black people even worse than you. And then you can take out how we treat you on them too. Yeah. 
And, and so I think it's all roots in classism because I think, you know, there are white people that get stopped and they get beat down and the cops, I mean, I think a lot of times the cops, we, the police brutality is stemmed in just like, it's a power, like it's yeah. their power. Yeah. You know, so they take out whatever insecurities they have on the people that they're supposed to be serving. Yeah. And it's like, and once again, it's most cops are usually, I mean, in my experience, you know, I make, you know, we get profiled and sometimes look, I have, the, I was speeding. Okay, I get it. Most of my interactions with cops have actually been pretty, I mean, they've been good. I haven't really had too many, I guess, bad ones. Every yeah. once in a while, though, you will get a guy that wants to exert his power. Oh, of course. And he'll talk to you any kind of way. You're just one bad day away. Yeah. You're All one right. bad day away. So All that's right. my perspective on the, the like, you know, uh, right. discrimination and, and the way people are treated because... I think it's all it all roots in classes. Yeah. All right, Ellen, we appreciate that, man. Uh before we go to break, I wanted to say, Nura, if you're listening, I apologize. You're Muhammad's wife. <laughs> There's only one, baby. That's you. <laughs> There's only one. He, had, he, he corrected me, but we're gonna uh, you listen <laughs> <My> to <laughs> We listen to the reality is we're gonna jump into a, a few commercials. We gotta pay the bills and we'll be right back. Uh, all right this is the reality is we are back hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of that music that 50 plates by rick ross man that always gets me going in the gym uh we got the next topic coming up it's sports superstars and high salaries and basically this is a conversation that came up you know basically solely off of do they do superstars and athletes make too much money? And we'll give you a quick rundown real quick. They have LeBron James this year making twenty one, uh twenty one point fifty seven million dollars a year. Twenty nine million in twenty thirteen was what Alex Rodriguez made. Twenty four million is what Lionel Messi makes, the uh the Argentinian soccer player. Fifteen million for uh paid man and big headed ass. And basically uh we're trying to <laughs> I mean, he do got a big head, though, bro. Like, I mean, yeah. It's like, uh, what's that cartoon dude on uh, Nickelodeon, Johnny Neutron, Jimmy Neutron, <laughs> where they got that big-ass head and that little body? <laughs> yeah, man. And he, he holding on my team and my quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah. you are a Broncos player. <laughs> Who you like, man? my quarterback. Well, I got, I got three teammates that play with Yeah, with them, so I remember. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, old paid man, you know. He, he do have a big head. He do got a big ass head, man. That's why he's and he's so still, smart. But the thing about it, bro, what you I, and this is off the topic, but like, what are you gonna do when he like fifty five? Like, cause his hairline is it's it's fading, <laughs> and his his head is too big for a comb up, bro. Yeah, I think fifteen million will cover a lot of uh, I was hair about to say He'll be all right. You see LeBron trying to hold on yeah. to his, but he finally did what I've been saying for five years: stop wearing the damn headband. The headband, man, it's like a hat. And you get a hat, hair, or whatever they call it. The headband, bro. Like, he looks 10 times better without that headband, bro. If you've been seeing him play, and he's playing a lot better without that headband. Yeah, let's stress. Because his hair can breathe. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got to get, he gotta get rid of the headband. Lay off bald people over there, guys. Lay off bald people. Hey, we're, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I'm with you. Everybody ain't able. Well, I'm, uh, you know what, Chris? When I, I've been thinking about um, cutting off my dress, man. So if I do, I'll be sure to save the bag for you. And I would love to see. I would love to see how you, you look. Think I'm gonna get in? Uh, you probably could get a sew or a lace front. I'm sure they could create a lace front out get of it. Get a lace front. Yeah. 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 But I'm just saying, bro, to help you out. You know what I'm saying? You could get you a lace front. 
uh, you know, they're pretty long. You're a tall guy, man. So they'll probably hang about to like the clavicle area and just swing. If you don't do anything else, just go swimming with them. I mean, come up, do that. Come out of the uh, water action and just whip it back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it may work for you. <laughs> but no. Um, I'm going to love my bald head, man. Hey, man, ain't nothing wrong with it, bro. Anyway. I, I, I pray that I don't ever go bald, bro. My head is not proportionally shaped. It's like a saddle. So, yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Girls will literally be the girls. Be set, yeah, set. that's what I say. Girls will literally want to ride my face. You know, <laughs> so you know. But hey, but uh, so with the uh, high salaries, man. Some people argue that athletes are not a valid profession. They don't have a valid profession. Have no contribution to life. And this is what Daniel from Atlanta said. He also feels that actors have a more valid reason to be paid. He said they encourage children to be the best they can be. And he feel that. And uh, my personal opinion was, I feel like athletes do as well. You see LeBron and the, I mean NBA cares and they're building homes. Kevin Durant and all them went out when uh, Oklahoma had the uh, tornado. Like when I read this, I was like, "What the hell is Daniel talking about?" Right. right. Well, and and then to talk about how athletes or actors uh, encourage children to be the best they can be over and against athletes. I yeah. think that's you can't make a real uh, comparison because you could point out actors who do not do that. You Anything. Know? Just like you can point out athletes who do or who, do not do, do that. Not. Yeah, yeah, but the NBA ensures that their players participate Parti- in these yeah. events, right? Yeah. Who's over the actors to ensure that they participate in these events? Right. You know, Nobody that I'm aware of. Exactly. So, right. I mean, it, just, it doesn't make sense. Right. Well, right. I think with – and then we kind of talked about it last week. I mean, when you, and LeBron makes a lot – he makes more money, honestly, off the court than he does on the court. Oh, yeah. So, he actually exactly. – outside of him playing basketball, he is actually putting himself out there with his agents, which – he, his agents are his friends that he grew up with, Maverick and them. So it's like he has, you know, he he went and got the Sprite deal on his own. He went and got the Nike deal. He's making a hundred, like a hundred million or more from the Nike deal. Right. So it's more than what the NBA is paying him, and because he is the best player in the league, he's not even the highest paid player. Right. So I know, and I, I I think honestly, I think honestly, if the NBA or NFL was a true free market, which is how it's supposed to be in society, mm-hmm. LeBron is vastly underpaid. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. The amount of money, not only does he bring to his own team, to the entire league, like when LeBron goes to a game, you're making more money on that on that game if you're like Orlando Magic and, and the Cavaliers are coming, you're going to sell out. Yeah. Period. Exactly. And all the businesses around there and all the, everything, you're going to have more sales in every sense. So if LeBron got tr- paid for his true value, I mean, who knows what his salary could be. It could be yeah. 50, 70 million a year. 100 if you well, if you took the true value that he brings to the game and, and paid him for it, because what these owners are making, bro. And see, Chris, that's the point. That's the point I was going to make is that, you know, we look at these salaries in relation to, like, you know, what we make or what we go to work, you know, doing a nine to five and make they a shoot small a free percentage. They shoot throw and make my salary. Right, exactly. And we look at that and we forget about, the like, all the money that is being generated. Uh, I think it's William Roden. Uh, a few years back wrote a book called 40 million dollar slaves and he was talking about how how can you you know he was basically making the argument that in the same breath you know these people making maybe 40 you know 30 40 million dollars in a year but still it still kind of functions in the same way as plantation politics and people got he got a backlash for it and basically he was saying is when it comes to power when it comes to being able to make decisions when it comes to all of these kinds of things where the real influence is it's not the players, and it's not just black players, but yeah. it's not just the, the professional athletes. Their bodies are being used to generate sums of Revenue. money that f- far eclipse whatever they ever exactly. see. You know, $40 million the, is nothing compared to $2 billion. Right, right, exactly. This, so you see the, like the Donald Sterlings, you know, he's, he's 
you know, owned that team, and he was making so much money. Billions And so you see these small percentages, like, like Chris was saying, LeBron is vastly underpaid when you look at what he's done for the organizations, exactly. what he's done for the league. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's – You know what the, the thing, thing is – Think about that. Like, if, if the Clippers would have been sold four years ago before Chris Paul got there, that guy, Donald Sterling, wouldn't have got a, half a billion dollars for Jack that team. shit. But this guy comes in and pays $2 billion cash pretty much because of the success they've had because of Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Yeah. What were you about to say, Mohammed? Yeah, and, you know, the thing is what we don't see is post-career. What, what do these guys go through? Mm-hmm. How's, how are their knees? Yeah. I mean, look at Bill Russell. Man, oh, yeah, he's old, but the guys have been able to walk straight for 25 years. Right. So, I mean, we don't right. see that the, the post-career. You know, what do they do in retirement? How do they look? You know, what, what, what do they – like they say, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Dwayne Wade, you know, the guy has major knee issues. Well, there's some days he can't get out of bed. I mean, right. we don't see that. We just see the 48 minutes of basketball. Exactly. We base judgment off of their you know, salary on that. It's, it's deeper than that, man. And how it, it's really so is. much deeper than that, man. My dad is a, is a testimony. He played nine years and would have played longer in the NFL, but he had herniated disc in his neck. And that still gives him problems. He's got neck yeah, problems, priceless. knee problems, back problems. I'm like, okay, so he's – and he's maintained good shape, but there, there are other guys that he played with or played against that I have seen these guys are 40, 50 years old, maybe 60. These guys look like they are just, Beat I mean, up. oh, Beat my up. God. I mean, some in a wheelchair, some look like they've aged 20, 30 years beyond what they are. And I'm like, man, this is, it's, it's so hard. And so, like you said, the toll it takes on the, on the physicality of a person is just priceless. Yeah. No, and then they still trying to folk, you know, yeah. fight for better health care, taking care of their players after they retire. And it's like, nah, yeah. you can't do much for me right now. I think one of the big things, too, is like I forgot who said it, um, but they were basically talking about when you think about people who don't like athletes being paid as much, what race are being paid the most? Blacks. So you have older white society. I forgot the guy's name. I wish y'all did more research on it. But when Calipari was uh, sending all the, the one and dones from college, they were hating that because you're making 18-year-old men millionaires. If you, if you take – I mean, the sports that are out there outside of baseball and hockey and maybe golf, like we're, those are the few sports that we're not dominating. But even if we're not dominating baseball, it's other people of color that dominated yeah more white guys are getting south americans the shine. Are dominating, you know baseball you, exactly right. you know what i'm saying so it's like they kind of hate that too because you're making uh blacks and people of color rich and if it's managed right it's a trickle-down effect that changes the economy that changes the outlook on our perceptions you know when you when you're raised with money you have a little bit of you have some insight you're raised differently your mindset is different and they can't Certain things can't be thrown on you, you know, without you really being, you know, if you, since you have that knowledge. It's just like I tell people about church. Like if you go to church and you don't read your Bible, mm-hmm. everything the preacher says is gospel to you because you really didn't do the research on your own. So you're just out there walking mm-hmm. off what he's told you. It's kind of like, you know, like being uneducated. Like if your mother is not educated, you don't have to go to college to be educated. But if your mother's not educated or hasn't expanded her mind, she can't pass it down. That's why you see a lot of p- kids out here when you're, you know, people giving black people or people make Hispanics with a lot of babies a hard time. Like, well, how old was their parent when they had them? You got girls that's like 18. Their, their mother is like 36. And then they already the 18 year old has a child that's like two nobody's having a chance to grow up or really teach anything because it's babies raising babies. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So with this being basketball, you know, it give as much as people abuse it or 
We talk about how much these guys make. I mean, it's really given us an opportunity. You know, they may start out young, but most kids, most basketball players, they find a mentor or some sort like Herman Edwards and who do, like we said last week, who has the symposiums that kind of tries to give them a guideline. And of course, from 18 to 25, you're probably going to be blowing that money off. But as you get older, you're going to start kind of learning to try to save some of that to get some of that. And, and I think a lot of times white America or old white America doesn't really like seeing black, you know, blacks or people with color with that type of money. Well, and I think another part of that problem is, is that, it, you know, I think it goes beyond just the fact that they don't like seeing people with money. But the fact that the matter is the as much as much as the NBA and NFL is populated by, you know, African-American athletes, um, it is a it is a, a vast minority of people that actually make it to that level. But their success is used as a part of that American narrative that if you just, you know, if you work hard, if you you do what, you know, do what you got to do, you can make it, you can get rich, you can blah, blah, blah. And those are also the images that are held up into the media as, you know, images of success, which are are equated with images of, of, you know, wealth and riches and things of that nature. Um, But when it comes to other uh, other (coughs) professions, CEOs, things of that nature, you don't find very many minorities, and I'm not just talking about you know African American, but you don't find m- very many people of other races or other uh, gender perspectives finding their ways into boardrooms and things of that nature, which where some of the real decisions get made. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It's it's a complex deal for sure, but I don't think you know people that look at athletes and talk about how you know they don't use their money right, and some don't, but some yeah. do. Like some you do. Said. But yeah. then again, it's deeper. Who are we to judge, right? Yeah. Right. Hell, someone just threw at me twenty one point five seven million. Am I going to walk away saying no, no, uh, it's not I'm for not. me? It's, it's messed up. Yeah. No, right. you're going to take it. Any right. any human being will take it. So who are we to judge? Right. Yeah. And I'm going to go buy some new stuff as soon as I get it too. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I was just mm-hmm. about to say that. Go, and there's no there's no harm in that. I mean, I'm hopefully I don't blow it all, blow it but all, I'm yeah. going to blow some. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be blown because you're gonna be buying stuff that you don't even need. I mean, and I mean, what do you do with fifty million dollars? Well, especially if you grow up, if you grow up and you with haven't nothing. had anything, and you but you've seen other people with stuff. I'm like, man, I want to have what what what, what been held up in front of my, my eyes. These years. Yeah, no, you you do want it, man. And I think I think and another thing, like uh, Kanye West said. You know, he was like, a lot of people always are on me about, you know, being in the media, how I'm pushing people off or, you know, going off on the paparazzi, you know, and the best way he put it, he was like, you know, you got kids. Imagine somebody that's hanging over the fence taking pictures of your child at five in the morning or when you're going out to the car to get formula or my baby's car seat. I'm trying to get it set up to go somewhere. And that's always in your face. He was like, it's literally like trying to be on vacation and it's a constant fly on your face that can never be removed. Yes, he signed up for this business, but and it comes with the territory, but like we were saying, outside of their body and post, you know, post uh, career, like they go through a lot of things, you know, while they're going through it. You know, no privacy, and uh, their their privacy, their you know, things are being skewed in the in the uh, media. They can't say one thing, even if it's something that it's meant for good. We all know the media can chop it up, edit it, and only play a certain part to try to put mud on their name. So it's just a lot of stuff that they go through. Their kids go through it. Everything. It's a lot that comes with the territory, and it's like, yeah, they may be rich, but I've always been that type of person if i had to have the fame or the money give me the money and you could keep all the recognition i don't need the notoriety i don't need any of that just give me the money let me go buy a nice car you know let me take out a nice little young thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and let me do what i do you right. know and, and and keep on doing and you know so i don't have a problem with it you know slide your boy some change <laughs> but you know i do think of, I, one thing I, I wish that every athlete had to do 
I wish it was in their contract. I don't care what race. Give back to where you came from. Yeah. I wish it was something that, that dictated what they did with at least 1%. Give back to your community, especially blacks. And even and if, if they don't, you know, if, if it's not written in the contract, I just think it should be some kind of mentor or program set up like we were talking a couple of weeks ago to where you make them aware that you can do so much now. I mean, if you're making $20 million in a year, what is, what's, what's giving back 100000 You know what I'm saying? It's just I just wish they really would give back because, honestly, if they did, uh, that would change a lot. It would bring in education. It would bring in better computers and the books that people need and, and, and change, you know, build up the YMCA and the rec centers that are closing down. You know, it would help, you know, uh, public education and, and uh, high schools be able to pay for these things that, that and, and pay the teachers. Right. You know, like if, right. if let's just say if I made or me and Gary and, and Muhammad, we made 10 million and 1 million we came together and just said let's make 1 million and let's divide it up amongst the schools we went through we could better increase that school's uh, educational purposes we can they could probably give at least 15,000 extra a year to the 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 uh the staff there mm-hmm. and that's not to be funny that's another part of it while teachers don't really care to teach anymore they're not getting paid shit hey, right you right. getting paid 45,000 or less you know, a year to teach these kids when now you can't really even discipline them. That's the biggest travesty in American society today. It I mean, is. Hands down. The, big, the biggest travesty. I mean, how, how – I don't know. And that's that's the thing. We, it's it's messed up, man. It's, it is messed up. I mean, we talk about the importance of education, but we don't, we don't invest in it. I mean, I see videos and vines. You see kids choking teachers out. To, <laughs> I mean, taking – it was one vine. It's not funny, but, like, the teacher – Took the dude's phone, man, and the kid literally like choked him out, <laughs> threw him on the ground, took his phone back, and brats, walked out of class. I'm you, that's brats. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's crazy, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh not my to, god, and you can't do anything about it at school. So, not to be funny, the next step, the only other person that can get them in line is the police. And a lot of times, what's happening now is happening for two reasons: it's racism, and then it's uneducated kids or kids that are not being trained that aren't being parented right. Parented that, right, that, yeah. That, that might enable the kid. Whoa. I mean, think about it: for the kid to have that much confidence to whoop up his own teacher, he's enabled. Someone at home saw this. All right, son, yeah. do what you got. That's oh, yeah. your phone. Oh, That's your property. Yeah. Man, back in the day, man, the teachers we used to be scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah, it was just a piece of paper, but if, it was deeper than yeah. that. If right. my homeboy got a whoop, if my homeboy's dad came up and whooped him, and I was wrong, to, yeah, I got my ass whooped too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You right. You all right about collateral that. damage. You just couldn't do it no more. You know how they they they've had the meme um, of the little boy. I forgot what TV show he played on. Where it's like the little black boy, and he's like got this face to where uh, the meme was like when you when you see your brother or sister getting their ass whooping, you think you next. <laughs> every time, every time my brother used to get whoopings by my mom, I used to just be sitting in the room crying, and my mom would come in and be like, "What are you crying for?" And I was just like, "Cause you about to whoop me." And she'd be like, "I'm not about to whoop you," but like Muhammad said, your ass was just collateral damage. Oh, yeah. You just knew it was oh, coming yeah. next. My, my mom could have been a pitcher, man. Uh-huh. She could throw anything and everything at 90 miles an hour. Oh man, the worst whooping I ever got, man. Literally, my mom, um, she told me she was like. Go in the bathroom, get out of your clothes. I literally, bro, I just walked in the house, but I, you know, she had already knew what was going on. Like, you get a whooping naked? That's why when they were talking about Agents and Peterson whooping in something with a switch, I got whooped naked. I used to have to 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 strip down to my drawers, and I remember the first time my dad made me do that. I had some shorts on, and he was whooping me, and for whatever, I think it was just the way the shorts were made, (laughs) he thought... (laughs) 
He thought that I had like bundled up some clothes, clothes. to try to pack. <laughs> so he's like, "What? What you got on under there?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Nothing." And then he told me to take yeah. my shorts yeah. off, and he saw I didn't have yeah. anything. But he still whooped me. With, I'm like, "Let me put my damn Clamp shorts back, back on. on." I wasn't cheating. Yeah. But from then yeah. on, I, all the whoopings I, I got that. were in drawers. Yeah. <laughs> I did that once, man. I had you know the best clothes to wear when you got to get a whooping is jeans. So yeah. I, was, I put on some jeans, and then I stuffed the jeans with a bunch of stuff because I knew I was about to get a whooping. <laughs> but they were jeans shorts. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Dude, and, I used, I, and I put uh, a long sleeve shirt jorts on. I used to make sure the house. started poking out. I, just, <laughs> I got double ass whooping, man. I was like, God. I, I used to make sure the house was spotless because this is the case we made our mom. Uh, we got her upset. Anything within her vicinity, she's going to grab and throw at us. <laughs> so I made sure that house was spotless at all times. She, have she couldn't find nothing. I mean, she had her shoes on for her. I went and hid those shoes in the closet <laughs> or something. Where are they? I don't know. That's the thing. And that's why I say when I used to see that stuff by Agent Peterson, I was like, man, we was getting whoopers with far oh, worse nothing. stuff. Oh, I had nothing. a homeboy that used to get whooped with an extension cord, and I thought that was abuse. I mean, extension cord? Like, yeah. he was coming in, and I was just like, damn. Like, the whips he had was lasting for days. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dude. yeah, but I, I, I never forget the worst whooping I got, bro. Like, I literally went out and played with my cousin. This was back when British Knights was, like, on point. And, about yeah, British you know what I'm saying? Knights. And I had some British Knights, man. I went running with my cousin, and my cousin thought it would be cool to be like, hey, man, act like you cut your hand. So he had, like, a, a red ink pen, and he bust the ink, uh, pen open. So I had the ink all on my hand and had put it on my British Knights. And I walk up, and I'm like, oh, mom, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm bleeding. And Looking she was, for sympathy. Oh, man, you and she, smelled, she smelled that ink, bro. And she was like, Tony. Called my dad, man. Oh, man, they lit my ass up. When my mom whooped me first, I walked out. You know how you got to walk out like, they ain't even hurt. <laughs> my dad heard that shit. Man, I got towed up. Mm-hmm. Like, I got that double ass whooping, mm-hmm. that double whammy. You make sure you, you start crying it. for the first hit, man. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just being a child and, and, and getting those whoopings, man, it's it's one of those things like we were saying going back to. It made me better. It made you yeah. better, bro. Yeah. It made you better. Even a time like, you know. You know, shout out to my mom. I probably would have whipped that ass, though, mama. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but I remember one time, bro. Me and my mom, uh, me and my brother got into it, and my mom got in my face, and she was just like, I was breathing hard, like I had ch- you know knuckled up, I'm like puffing. squared up. <laughs> she, yeah, she was like, I knock you, I brought you know they do, I brought you in, I take you out, you know. And his parents like, I respected her, but because they had that discipline, you also had that little fear. You know, you knew you probably, yeah, you yeah. felt like you probably could beat him up, but you knew you couldn't. Yeah. You mm-hmm. just you just had a little, you know, you just got kind of yoked up at the time and you got a little too big for your britches, as they say. And you thought you could do it. But parent, I mean, you need that, man. Mm-hmm. You need that. All this stuff that's going on in schools and in the streets. It's because it's no discipline. It's they're, no, like you said, brats, man. yeah, it's no accountability being, you know, handed down to these children. We're just enabling them. Right. Now you got now you do have some lunatics out there, right? I mean, it don't you know, matter they, what you do. Yeah, and those guys, they're just uh, you know, they, they use literally anything in their way. <laughs> but I mean, back in the day, I kid you not, it really made us better. And, and it's weird because my mom, you know, I'm one of seven kids, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the second, second of seven. And it, it's weird. You look at it. The first three or four, yeah, I mean, we walked that straight path, and then it, it kind of handed us a torch down, and we made sure our younger siblings, right. you know, they walked yeah. that straight path. Yeah. And you look at there's a difference between the mother disciplining and then a difference between, you know, not enforcing as much as you did. Because, I mean, let's get real. After seven kids, you, you kind of wear out by three or right. four. Yeah. Right. So, and, and you see the difference, man. <laughs> Things that we used to be told, mm-hmm. we'd walk with, you know, we, you know, we, we they literally put us in check. Right. You tell them the same exact thing or they go through the same exact things we went through, man, they start crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just can't handle it. It's just different, man. Yeah. I, I agree. Kids, Whoop your kids if you have to for discipline purposes. Well, and, and, and kids kids are going to get away with what they know they can get away yeah. with. Yeah. And I worked in social work in Kansas, and 
I was like, man, it, it's funny how some of these kids would run their parents. And I'm talking like teenagers would just cuss their parents out. And then I would have a visit with them. What race they, were they? Oh, they were, they were all racist. Yeah. They were all racist. Yeah. Um, oh, I think we lost Chris. But um, they would just, they would cuss their parents out. Um, mostly it wasn't, it wasn't a black kid. But see, how, how but do you whenever, get to that point, man? But that's what I'm saying, because when I, whenever I would go in and have a meeting with them or, or a visit with them, because I had to do, like, visits with the, with the kids, they knew what boundaries they couldn't cross with me. And these were, like, teenagers, so yeah. they had already been shaped in a certain way. But even still, they knew, okay, I know I can't get away with this with, you know, with, this with him, yeah. so I'm not going to try that. But with their parents, they had already, like, they, the, the power dynamics already been shaped. Shame, that they know, yeah. I don't care what you say, mom, you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I've seen it. It's so funny. Uh, uh, Chris, he dropped out, man. He said he had to go. He's okay. uh, doing the Coachella thing. So thanks, Chris, man, for uh, for chiming in today. But um, I've seen I've seen one thing I hate, and it drives me crazy, like when you're in a grocery store, I think everybody's seen that when you got that kid. Like I'm talking oh, yeah. like six years old that's telling their parents what to do, what they want, and, and they're just like, oh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. You don't have to do this. Stop it, guys. Stop yeah. It. You know, right. and it's like, I mean, yeah, we do have black kids that are, you know, bad or whatever like that. But I'm just I mean, I, when I see it, I mean, I'm always on the north side of Dallas. So it's like I, I see it's always white kids. And it's like you you with with us because and it's a difference let me show you how different it is when you grow up in the hood and you're bad and you know and you don't you know the kid is bad like he said it just may be that lunatic you just can't even change him he doesn't have a father figure there or something like that then you may have the black kid that's being whooped or whatever the case may be but it's always some sort of less they're in a poverty situation Mm -hmm. you have white kids doing it and they're in a situation where they're flourishing. There, it's prestige. There, it's Holland Park. It's the North Side. But it's just the entitlement mm-hmm. that they treat, you know. And their parents allow them to continue to do that because, not to be funny, their parents allowed them to do it. And it's one of those pass on. You know, it's just a lot of stuff now is just passed down. Unfortunately. It's confusing, man. I'm telling you, growing up as an Arab kid and going to my friend's house and just seeing it firsthand, it's just confusing, man. Can they start talking back to their parents like? Man, if I go home and try that, I'm on the floor, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm decked. Yeah. I'm yep. leveled, man. <laughs> I'm scared whenever I hear other people, uh, when I grew up hearing other people. Matter of fact, my mom tells me a story. I was I was a little boy, and we were in the grocery store, and this other little white kid, I guess, was just throwing a fit. And my mom said, I looked up at her with this look of terror in my eyes, like, like what the hell is he going doing? On? <laughs> she was like, you knew you could never get away with that. Yeah. But I was just like, man, yeah. this is nuts. It's a few times I've seen white parents discipline their kids, and it's almost like, seeing a t-rex walking through downtown <laughs> it's just i mean it's like it's that uncommon so it's like when i see it i'm like what the hell did she just discipline it? let me get it. i need to record this people need to see this but uh you're listening to the reality is we're gonna take a quick break again um if you're trying to listen in to us right now uh, with the last few minutes we have you can hit us up you can uh, download the tune in app on your phone uh, search FBRN. We're in the Blue Bowl every Saturday from 1 to 3. Or you can find us on iTunes um, every Sunday. We try to have the shows out. You can find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, leave us a message. Or you can hit us up at info at therealityis.com. Again, you're listening to The Reality Is, where a filter becomes extinct. Mic check, one, two. Go get them. Listen close, nigga. Yeah. Uh, if rappers want it, they can get it. Blow tighter than folks. Bitches sitting in the civic, my flows are unimaginable. Hannibal Lecter, shit. Eating MCs for breakfast, bitch. Since I was born and touched the mic, the first time it's been a problem. Your life was a mistake, your pop should've wore a condom. You niggas think you hard, I think you better come harder. I leave rappers confused. 
like Will I Am Bomber. Ah, fucking with loot is not a great look. A verse will make your fans unfriend you on Facebook. Click, my styles are going in the label. So if stars want a war, I'm their daddy like Darth Vader. And since I'm always high, it's kind of hard to overlook me. For over a hundred stacks, it's kind of hard to overbook me. Taking a whole nother house for my cars, it's on my checklist. Cause the fit in one garage is like a nigga playing Tetris. But they say patience is a virtue Cause I got your bitch staying out way past the curfew Guess I was a thief that got away with these words Slanging chickens out my whip like I've been playing Angry Birds In the black Rolls Royce dark night like Batman Everywhere you turn the ghost follows like Pac-Man <laughs> And I sleep with the John Dillinger And always keep an eye half open like Forrest Whitaker No! Boys ain't ready for combat. Be more worried if I renew my death jam contract. What path is he on? Opponents I laugh and be gone. They handing in the towels like they work at Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> but in the midst of all the melee, y'all niggas just bitches with dicks like Shanene. Your rap styles are phony. Your lines are just dead. And I be on them lines like a nigga just played. Guess I'm trying to say I'm advanced. You intermediate. You wouldn't know the real me if your bitch. And we got the last topic coming up, and it's our female breadwinner's a recipe for disaster. How do you feel about a woman making more money than you, and does it make you feel emasculated? Thanks, Christian, for uh, dropping this one on us and leaving. <laughs> yeah, it says, he, he, uh, let me read what it says. It says, a U.S. census study out last year found that four in ten American households with children under age 18 have a woman as either the primary or sole breadwinner. A huge jump from earlier decades and quadruple the amount in 1960. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'll start off on this one. No, it's not a recipe for disaster. No, um, no. And I think even the the question that you know why that even is a question is is so much rooted in the history of this culture. Just assuming that women should not be providers and that men should be providers is kind of the prescribed gender roles. And y'all know we've talked a lot about the gender roles, especially with me in terms of my research and trying to push back against patriarchy. And even my current situation right now, you know, I left a full-time job in Kansas, and uh, we moved down here, and I'm in school. I'm a Ph.D. student, and obviously I'm excited about the potential 
the earning potential of that. I'm not doing it necessarily for money because even still, my wife uh, is our she's the breadwinner in, in our house right now. And even after I begin teaching and things like that, I mean, she's in the accounting industry. Uh, she, she's on the way to being a CPA. Man, her earning potential is great. And for me, you know, we've talked a lot about this, my wife and I, and she's never rubbed that in my face and things like that because we're we're a partnership. We're a team. And I think households at the end of the day are a lot better off if both both parties, whether it's a man and a man, man and a woman, 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 whatever. I think when two people are working together and both providing in different kinds of ways, I think that is the ultimate situation you could be in i mean when you're just relying on one person to be quote unquote the breadwinner what happens when that person loses their job what happens when that person becomes incapacitated or something like that and you haven't taken the time to you know kind of develop your own skills and what kinds of things you can bring to the table financially and otherwise it's a problem and the same goes for you know when fathers are assumed or when men are assumed not to be fathers or they can't be the ones to take care of their their kids but the woman has to be the one to do all of that i think it's just yeah, you know how I feel about gender prescribed yeah. gender norms. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been in a situation. I mean, I'm in a situation now. You know, where more money is being made than me, and it, it doesn't bother me. I think it's when it comes to uh, the man being in that situation. It's you have to make sure you have control of your ego, get your ego in check. Because not to be funny, sometimes no matter what you do, oh, she's just a woman is going to just make more than you. I mean, it, I mean, even if you go to school and both of you guys get masters or PhDs, if it, if hers is in something different, let's just say if hers is in engineering and yours is in whatever, you it's no way unless you something happens that you're going to make more than her being an engineer. It's just it is what it is, and hopefully, you know, and and it also goes back with the women too, like. Sometimes the woman may not want to date a man who makes less. So it depends on the woman and the male um, from a male's perspective is all we can say. But I don't have a problem with it as long as I don't, you know, she's not like trying to demean me or mm-hmm. like tear me down or break my confidence. I mean, as long as it's not like that, I don't care because I still can contribute something to the, to the situation. And I think that's the biggest thing. Can you contribute? What are you contributing to that situation? Mm-hmm. Just like you're talking about Anthony, you know, if, if if it's a chick that's like rubbing in your face, yeah. a, this is a different case. I yeah. mean, that's just right. a little that's a lack of maturity to some extent. But overall, no. I mean, because you're looking at a household it's singular, absolutely. right? So I mean, it's a oneness. It's not a I'm on my team and you're on your team and I'm making this much and you're bringing this much. It has, it's, it's a oneness. I mean, it's absolutely. I think it's, you know you look at any relationship or marriage, it's deeper than just. So what are you bringing to the table? Right. You know. Right. So I, it doesn't doesn't bother me. Well, absolutely. This, and even well, and even well, go ahead. What no, I was just gonna say a quick, just a question to pose to to both you guys. What um what do you think about joint accounts? And the reason I asked this is um I have a friend named Heather and she was we were talking and uh, she gave it to me from the white perspective far as um. you know joining accounts like if you're married or and i would just say marriage you know because she's married if you're married what do you think you should have separate accounts like an account together but also separate accounts your own account uh in this situation i think it depends it depends on the couple yeah yeah and even in this situation yeah yeah, because i think you know in like in the case of my wife and i like we we have all our stuff is together together and we've and we actually tried to do like we had a joint account and we had like one for allowance and you know for each other yeah. or whatever just so that we could have that kind of spending discretionary spending yeah. whatever you want to do but yeah. i mean we're we're so much of a team honestly that we that we weren't even using those accounts because it didn't we didn't really need to so we i mean we our stuff is together but i've heard of other couples particularly older couples who might be like in their second marriage yeah. or something that that keep stuff separate 
and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think just for me, for us, it works because we are invested. We are, you know, we're in it. And we're ne- there's no reservations about it. I don't need to keep something back just yeah. in case something happens. That's what I was going to say. What, so what if they, you know, what if somebody or your significant other did go ahead and do it and you didn't know about it and you found out about it? It'd raise a lot of questions. Yeah. Because, I mean, you have to be transparent in any relationship. Right. You know, when you're holding back something like that, I mean, yes, this fi- you know, the financial aspect of any relationship is a big aspect. Right. No matter how you look at it. So I, I would it would definitely raise a lot of concerns, like well, why you know. That's what now, I would. If it wonder. goes back to what you were just saying, maybe people are in their second marriage. You know, they're a little bit more skeptical. They've they've learned a couple of things along the way. Okay, no mm-hmm. problem. But I mean, I just I don't see a point to be yeah. quite frank. Right. I don't think I. I mean, like I said, I'm not married, never been married. But I think if I was, I wouldn't have a problem with putting it all in. You know, all my eggs in one basket, and I wouldn't. If if she's okay with it, I wouldn't have a problem saying, "Hey, you want to have your own, and I have my own." Because I know for me personally. Um, I manage money well, but I do have – I like to dress. I like to wear nice things. Um, I like to wear stylish things. So, you know, she may not want me dipping in, you know, the one account that we have. So she may say, hey, if you want to do that, then you take your money aside to do that. You know, but as far as vacations or investing things for our future, for our children, if we decide to have children, I think, you know, that one account is good because, you know, you get to manage it together uh, how you want to go about it. But I wouldn't have a problem with it either way, like you both said. I think it's about the understanding of the mates mm-hmm. and what you're doing, how you're going about it. If it's a second marriage, it's understandable because that first marriage may have left you broke or yep. left you without right. something. So you want to make sure that never happens again because that that experience has shaped you has shaped you to be that way. Right. So I mean, right. and then, I you know, it. keep in mind some people are you know when when they get married or when they build a relationship. Early on, they're not even building their career yet. They're in the process. Process. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. When you talk about a second marriage, maybe guys in you know middle age. You know, he's established himself, established mm-hmm. his career. That's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. But mm-hmm. once again, keep it transparent, and it all depends on the intent. Yeah. You know, you just said, yeah, you, you know, you like to dress good, so you like to shop. Yeah. Well, that's a different intent than exactly. having one behind your back. I'd have questions. Let me see that statement. How yeah. are them hotel bills looking? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but see, the, the transparency piece is so crucial because even, <laughs> even when people do have separate accounts, you know, no, there's nothing's being hidden. Like, you come to that situation, you decide on that, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. But like you said, if some, if somebody, if I found out Monica had, like, some offshore account yeah. somewhere. She offshore, she balling. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Give me some, Monica. Right. I, I would, I'd, be, I'd be more concerned with, okay, what's the reason for this? Yeah. You know, what, what, what reservation do you have about what we have yeah, going on? Exactly. But uh, I think on a deeper level, man, this, this really hits home because, um, you know, I was, I was raised – by both my parents, but they were divorced while, since I was a baby. And so the image I had of my mom, I had an in, image of a single mom who did everything, who was the provider, who was the nurturer, the caregiver, all of that. Yeah. But I also had an image of my dad who was doing everything, the man who knew how to cook, you know, wash clothes, care for me, provide, and all of that. So, um, and, I, and I'm recognizing more and more of the way that that has shaped the way I am. I take pride in not being the traditional man, yeah. you know what I'm saying, in yeah. terms of gender norms. But I know how to cook. Me. I can clean. I can do all of that stuff. I'm great with kids. And it drives me crazy how we assume that women can't do certain things and men can, and we assume that men can't do so. Nice we were just talking in school the other day about um, how, you know, when, when you're pregnant and you go to, like, hospitals or different places that are, talk to the woman about, you know, what she can do to take care of the baby, how to change diapers, all of this kind of stuff, and it's not – uh, a normal practice for the man to automatically be included into that, but yeah. that sometimes you get that secondhand knowledge, and I'm, it's not the case all over. But those just those kinds of assumptions about what men are capable of and women are capable of, I think we need to push back on because um, you know me and Monica are a team, and if one of us can't do something 
and the other person is in a situation that not be able to yeah. do it, and how the hell is it going to get done? Well, yeah. it's basics. It goes back to basics, all about gender equality. And as right. cliche as it sounds, and like I said, go back to being politically correct as right. it sounds. Yeah, gender, gender equality, it's transitioned a lot in the past 15, yeah. 20 years in yeah. America. You know, that's why the whole perception of, yeah, men shouldn't change diapers and you know, leave it to the woman, it's, it's gone. I think yeah. in, right. in about 5, 10 years, it'll, it'll be gone down the drain. Yeah. yeah. All right, and that concludes our show, man. We do appreciate you guys for listening um, for next week. Like I said, if you want to listen in, hit us up on Fishbowl Radio. If you have any questions or show topics, hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking at info at com. You can check out what we're doing throughout the week, some of the posts from me, Gary, Christian, some other people. Um, you can go to com if you want to read some great articles and find out what's going on there. Um, we have a lot of things that we're working on. So, you know, if you want to contribute to the show, you can also go to the reality is T-H-A, therealityis.com come and click on the paypal link and drop a donation if you like what you're hearing it can be 50 cents it can be a dollar we don't care if you want to call in you can hit us up 214-431-5062 until next week people be yourself everybody else is already taken have a great week for you an inside look at the local covid vaccine trial for kids what children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated today at 4 p.m on nbc4 tonight it's the voice live rounds and nick jonas wants his first win let's get this done who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here watch live and vote to save your face the voice live rounds tonight on nbc Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.